Welcome back to our monthly podcast, This is the Call to Foster. My name is Shasta Miller, and I'm a field sport manager with the Missouri Children's Division. I'm super excited about our episode today. I have two special co-hosts with me um, and our honorary guest, um, but I'm going to let our co-hosts introduce themselves first, and then we'll get rolling. Hello, this is Lauren Masterson. I am the unit manager for permanency and foster care licensing with Missouri Children's Division. And I am Daryl Missy. I am the Director of Children's Division. Thank you, Daryl and Lauren. Um, And then our special guest, um, who is a current foster parent for our agency, Rebecca. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Rebecca Cadlez. I'm a current foster parent um, through Missouri State Children's Division. I have been fostering for almost six years. Um, and I have had 36 kids in that six years, and I have adopted two. (laughs) Wow. Well, first and foremost, we'll thank you at the beginning. Thank you for all your service. Um, But I know myself and my co-hosts are dying to know more about your journey and your story. So, Rebecca, you said you've been fostering for six years. Um, Can you tell us what brought you to make the decision to jump in and foster? So fostering started really young for me because my husband and I actually were in and out of foster care as kids. Um, And also we have siblings that aged out of the system and that were adopted out of the system as well as nieces and nephews. So it was really just close to home to us and we just wanted to make a difference and make a change and just be different than where we came from and it was just in our hearts. We had our kids very, very young because we didn't have a lot of guidance, not that it is anybody else's fault. (laughs) Um, But we have three adult children that are 25, uh, 22 and 20. Um, And when they were all a little bit older, our youngest was 14, that's when we decided that it was time and we were ready to get started. That is amazing. Rebecca, you are the the type of foster family that I love to hear from um, because it's truly raw for you. Um, I love yeah. that. Um, so this is really deep and, and in your heart and in a passion. Um, can you share maybe, because um, again, this podcast is for people out there listening who maybe are hesitant to foster. Um, so could you share like one piece of advice that you would give someone who is thinking about jumping into this crazy foster care system? Um, I really think a lot of people feel like they can't connect or they don't have a, a connection and you would be really surprised. We've all dealt with trauma in our lives and I think it's so important to share our experiences with others and help others help us grow as well as help them grow. So I always say, like, you have to just be willing to have, like, the world kind of teach you as you grow. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about it, then that means you're interested. So find out more. If you're thinking about it, find out more and ask more questions and see if it's something that you really want to move forward with. Yeah, I love that. Um, You have an understanding that even us in this room don't have an understanding, which is you've been through the system as a child, and now you're helping the system as a foster parent, which is so unique and so special. 
Um, and I think that uh, you just have so much to bring and so much knowledge to give to others, especially those who might might want to foster. Because it's not it's not easy. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's emotional and hard. And and I tell people all the time, like, it, listen, it's it, this is an emotional hard road. But um, you know, you just have to find the right community. Set yourself up. You know, self care is really important, but you know, as humans, like, if we don't give ourselves some trials, if we just go through life, you know, with all the easy roads, then are we really living? Like, come on. Like, yeah. if we're a community, we got to really work together and um, and really help each other thrive. And if I can do that and just change one life, then it, it means something to me. Yeah, definitely. Um you, I want to, I want to jump into what you just said about like self-care. And so a question for you, and you kind of answered some of this was, so for a new foster parent, they're having a hard time. They're really struggling. What piece of advice would you give them to help support them? Like they're in a moment, they're in a crisis. What, what, what advice would you share with them? Um, So I always say, okay, take a deep breath with me real quick. And then they take a deep breath. And I say, have you utilized respite recently? And they'll say, what's respite? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And I'll say, um, you know, respite care is basically where we have a licensed respite provider or foster parent, and they help you out for a day or two or even longer if necessary just to give you a little break. Um, Let's. Do, would you like us to find some respite care today? I'd love to help you with that. And usually they're like crying and sobbing and saying, please, how do I get started? And um, I actually am involved with some um, local support groups in our area, uh, as well as um, I always say your licensing worker can always help you with that. Um, and if for any reason they can't, let me know. And I know tons of respite providers in my area, so I just start making phone calls for them, and um, we find some respite care. If I'm available, I even do it. I've had several families where I'm like, what are you doing right now? Bring them on over. I'll order some pizza, and we'll hang out, and you go take a bath, and, you know, if you want to drink some wine, come back tomorrow morning (laughs) fresh and good, and and we'll, we'll, we'll restart, and they'll be like, okay. So I think respite is really important. Um, reminding them that it's okay for them to have friends and go out and do things and have um, a social life is really important Um, and find something that you love other than your kids. Everybody says, oh, well, I love my kids and I love my husband and I love, you know, some some people love their job. So uh, I just say find something that makes you happy, even if it's just taking a walk. Or, you know, going to the local dog shelter and maybe bathing some dogs or something like that. You know, find mm-hmm. something, even if it's just an hour a week or something, that just helps you feel like you again. That gives you a reset. So I think that's really important. That's really good advice. I think, I, I mean, I need to take that advice. Exactly everything you just said. I think You're I like, need to Ooh. take it. Yeah. I need some wine and some a, a little self-care. Um yeah. But I think that uh, that's really realistic advice that um, I want. I wish all of our foster families had an advocate and a mentor just like you. Um, 
But that's our goal is to maybe try to get yes, those. I want those to do people. that. I want to get one for every. Everybody needs somebody. All right. Everybody needs a support system. So that's our goal. Okay, so, we're going on the road then. So, you so and I. Let's do this. We're gonna let's do, it. do it. I'm on. I'm on. I'm already in my mobile office, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I'll hit the road. Let me ask you this. You've uh, you've got a lot of challenges. Sometimes you've got challenges with the with the kids, with the kids' interactions with each other, with all those different things. But as, as you deal with the system as a whole, uh, children's division, the court, the lawyers, all of that sort of thing. What what kind of challenges did you have, and how did you deal with those? Um, so sometimes communication can be a big issue. Um, our workers can be very overworked and have a lot of caseloads. So um, we, of course, think that when we ask a question or reach out that uh, we should be just, like, top priority and they should answer us right away. And that's not realistic because they have a lot going on. So be patient. And sometimes um, it's okay to um, say, I know you're super busy. Is there someone else I can talk to about this for now? Um, And I never want to overstep or anything. So sometimes communication and just being patient with them is really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really are having a big communication issue, it's okay to, to chat with them about it. So I've had a caseworker in the past where I had to sit down and I said, hey, like, I know we're having a really tough time, like, setting up our visits in a timely manner and things like that. And I really have to plan things more than, a, like, a 12-hour notice. Mm-hmm. Um for a visit because I have a lot of running and a lot of kiddos in different areas during the day with school and daycare and all the things. I said, can we work really hard on maybe communicating a little tightly? And they respond so well to that. Yeah. But having grace for them and and just letting them know that you're feeling a little like, like you need a little more, um, I guess, um, you know, structure there. Um, because sometimes they maybe don't even realize it, um, and sometimes it's okay to just have that kind of raw but really respectful conversation with them. Did you go to court? I mean, did you go to court and and see that process at all, or did you just sort of steer clear of that? Um, I've been to almost every one of all of my kids' court dates. That's awesome. they were in my home during court, I was there or on the virtual court every one of them. I think I've missed two. In one of them, I was in the parking lot with a stomach virus. (laughs) And one of them, I didn't know about the court date until after it happened. It was a miscommunication. Wow, that's pretty good. Do you? Yeah, I've always been really, really, really good about that just because I really want to know and I can't feel like I can't advocate for the child and the family because at the end of the day it's reunification is the biggest goal and if I can support that family in any way then I want to know everything about the case so I could really be the best supporter as I can you know that those were great comments about mm-hmm. the court so what were what were your experiences with court I mean you went there uh, what was it like for you and and what advice would you have for people if they're going to go to court um, just just listen observe um, for me um, a lot of court dates are just re- reviews. Um, so you don't get a ton of information and you wait a lot of, sometimes you wait a long time for a two-minute court session and you're like, what just happened? 
But I think it's really important to go to get familiar with the lingo, with the process, um, and especially if it's an older kiddo, um, kids 14 and up are really encouraged to go to court if they choose to, um, just to be somebody that they can lean on um, and just kind of have there, because that can be a really emotional time for them. Um, so that's really, really important. And even no matter what the ages, I've went to all my kids' court dates because I think it's important to get to know the situation, get to know the family, the case, um, and again, everyone involved, uh, CD, your GAL, your DJO, your whole support team, um, just so you can better advocate for your child and then for your family. Well, and something you said I think that's really, really important, Rebecca, is you said, you said listen. And, you know, I, I, I was a judge before I, I did this, and I was in that courtroom, and that's why I'm really interested to hear, you know, your thoughts about what court was like and how, how it went, because my job was to listen. And for you to say, you know, I'm going as a foster parent to listen uh, is really powerful, because uh, I always... I always learned things at court. I mean, I had the court update and, you know, but by listening and asking follow-up questions and finding out, you find out not just the things that went wrong, but the things that are going right and the things that, that uh, are in need of help. And you talked about wanting to help and I think you're absolutely right. That's the place to do that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. You, yep. you can really find things out there. Yep. So yeah. I, you said something in that where you talked about uh, kiddos who are 14 and older um, which is our, our, our older youth. Um, do you have an experience, Rebecca, where you had an older youth placed in your home and that you can talk about and share? Yeah. Um, so I will actually kind of talk about um, a young man that I had in my home that I got to go to his first court date with, and it was a judification hearing. Um, and that is when you know, they decide if they're staying in care and what the, the plan moving forward is going to be. And um, that was a very high emotion time for him. Um, I will say this youth didn't have a lot of structure in the home. Mm -hmm. um, and he was outbursting in the courtroom, um, cursing people out. Mm -hmm. And I just said, they kind of looked and they're in uh judge kind of got upset, which I 100% agree. He was being very disrespectful, but he'd never been in that situation and he didn't know how to handle it. And I said, could we walk away for just a minute and, and, and talk something out and maybe be invited back in if, if that's okay. And they said, yes. And, um, we left and I said, this is hard and emotional. And if you don't want to go back in there, we don't have to, but you have to remember that, um, at the end of the day, everybody wants what's best for you, even if we don't agree with it. I was like, so instead of screaming or using your words, squeeze my hand if you're feeling it, and if you squeeze it twice in a row, we'll go ahead and ask to be excused again, and we'll, we can be done today. And mm -hmm. I was like, if you want to go back in, let's go back in. If not, we can be good. And he said, I want to go back in. And we were, he squeezed my hand several times, just the one time, and then he kind of let go, and then every once in a while he'd squeeze it, and he made it through, and we got to the car, and I was like, hey, if you need to say a few cuss words outside the car before you get in, just to let out some emotions, like, let's do that, and mm -hmm. he did, and he got in the car, and he was great. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was a kiddo that had been 
within 48 hours in foster care, he was in four homes. And he came to my house at about two o'clock in the morning. Um, And it was, he was, he was a rough one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But he needed, he just needed somebody to just listen to him a little bit and let him deal with things in his way that he's learned how to cope with them. But but find a little structure in that. Yeah. It sounds like you have a really good understanding of, um, you know, older youth and their needs and the trauma that comes with. Um, So what, for a foster family who, in those moments, when they're dealing with an older youth who maybe is cussing them out or um, (laughs) having behavioral issues, how do you, as the foster mom, deal with that situation and cope yourself? Oh, gosh. So I usually say, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. I think I need a timeout because I don't know how to handle this situation. So let's both just walk away because I need a break. So I make it about me. Um, Just for the moment that it's not always them. Like, you're not always the wrong one. You're not always the one in trouble. You're not always the one doing things wrong. Or you're not always the one not using your emotions correctly because sometimes us even as adults don't really know how to handle a situation and but we have the mental capacity and the uh, maturity to know maybe we should walk away for a minute and and try to figure out how we can move forward so i say i need a timeout. (laughs) this isn't working for me so that's what i do yeah i think that's good advice and that's all parents I think all parents need that advice, not just foster parents, um, (laughs) because they are a unique group and there's, I think there's challenges in every family. I know I was a challenging teenager, so I'm right there. Um, so Lauren and Daryl, any, any questions that come to your brain while we have Rebecca? Yeah, I'm curious. You, you said that you've, you've adopted, you've had 36 kids and you adopted two, uh, What happened to the other 34, and how did you deal with that? Um, So I do a lot of emergency placement, and um, emergency placement is when they just can't can't find a placement. It's a lot of times very late at night and things like that. Um, Or a kiddo might be getting ready to sleep in the office. So if I have any sort of space whatsoever, then I don't like them sleeping in the office, so they know to call me. so that's why I probably have so much many in that small amount of time. I am still connected with many, many of my foster kids that have left my home, um, even if they're in other foster homes or a, I've had a few that's aged out um, that I love to keep in contact with uh, if it works out, and most of them have. But um it's hard, it, and it's a lot of emotions, and um, and I think I just always say um, I, I might not be here forever for them, and you know that when they come into your home, but right now I'm going to try to be everything you need me to, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I just kind of live by that and move forward. So um, we did not go into fostering for adoption. Um, we were open to it if that's where it led, and our very first placement actually um, was our son who was one years old when he came to live with us. And he is now our adopted six-year-old son. Um, And that is just kind of where his case went. And that is, um, it it felt like it was the right, it was the right fit. It didn't feel like it, we knew it was the right fit for him. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we know that the first choice is always their biological family, but when that can't happen, then, you know, if you can connect with a child, then adoption is the next best thing. Yeah. Rebecca, you said biological family. I kind of want to go down that road for a second. Um, do you have an experience where you've worked with a biological family? Um, and if so, um, how did that work? How did you handle that? And what's that look like now? Um, yeah, so I, I have, um, and I absolutely can't express my feelings when I get to work with a biological family that are really trying and really moving forward and moving mountains for their kids. It is the most, so for me, it's a little bit of a, it's, it, it touches home for me because um, I went home several times and back into care, but my mom worked really hard, but she could never just always be like, keep it together for a long period of time because she struggled with addiction and mental illness. And um, so seeing people going through that and struggling with that same kind of thing that she struggled with, I guess I just, I feel their emotions and I understand what they're dealing with is real. Mm-hmm. So I guess just kind of connecting in that way with them. So I, I a particular family that I went through with and that they um, were able to get their kiddos back. Um, just being that, like, middle ground and, and having her message me, like, after the kids are all home and a few weeks later and her telling me how thankful she was for just having me to turn to if she she needed somebody to talk to or a question or needed help. And as it got closer to her kids going home and she had unsupervised visits and stuff I she came over for dinners and um, I would always ask her like if they were going places like if she had a certain outfit they want she wanted them to wear just things like that because I really wanted her to to make those choices and be really involved and she loved that she was able to do that and able to integrate her children back into her home where she was taking care of them a lot before they got to come home and making decisions for them I think that's really important yeah I'm so glad you shared that experience because I think Daryl and Lauren and I, as we sit here, I think our hope is for all of our foster families to really foster the family, not not just yes, the kiddos. I say but, that I call them our foster kiddos and our families. Like there, there are families when you're working with them, and we pray that all of them can come together and work together and work for towards reunification. It's not always. Um, what happens um but i just i love when it when it turns out that way because seeing someone grow and overcome so many trials and a lot of it stems from childhood on and um even the adults a lot of our kiddos in care their parents were in care and that's it all started from there yeah um it's so common, and so um, I just I love that I can say I I was there too. Like I I really get it, <laughs> and so I just I love having. I mean, I hate that I dealt with that as a child, but I love that I had that experience because I love that I'm able to share that moving forward and hopefully help someone else through a tough time. Yeah, I think I hope if anything, Rebecca, that people out there who are listening that maybe have shared a similar experience like you did as a child, have the belief that they could do this. If they have it in their heart to foster, they can jump in and do this. I uh, I really appreciate you 
talking to us tonight. And I know, um, I hope and know that when people hear this, um, they're going to make some phone calls and hopefully we're going to get a slew of really good quality foster families throughout the whole state. That's my hope. I hope so too. Yeah. I've also heard, Rebecca, that you are involved in the ambassador program. Um, (laughs) I would love to hear more about that uh, because I think you would be a great advocate and a mentor to others. So tell us a little bit about that. So um, Missouri State Children's Division has a um, ambassador and mentor program. Um, What we do is uh, we help with recruitment for foster families as well as uh, mentor foster families through the process and through uh, their fostering journey, which I love so much. And I tell all my families when they're getting ready to get started and they're ready to jump in, I said the one thing I will always tell you is find friends in fostering. Find friends that are going through the same things you're going through that truly understand because our family and our community are going to be as supportive and loving as they can, but no one gets it like the foster other foster parents. So find, right. build yourself a foster community as well. That's right. That's ex- uh, that's exactly yeah. why we're doing this, right? Yeah. Um, Lauren, I know this is very special to you. Um, I would love to hear your input on this. Yeah, absolutely. Our foster care ambassador program is really relatively new. We've been working on it over the last year or two, and I think we're up to just over 40 ambassadors statewide. So oh, that's great. Yeah, Rebecca, mm-hmm. I am super thrilled that we're getting to talk to you today mm-hmm. and hearing a little bit about your story and your experience with the ambassador program. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how you think the ambassador program is impactful for new and maybe also um, existing foster families? Like what does the ambassador program bring to the table? So I really think it's just an advocate in their corner, Mm -hmm. someone they can call, they can call or email or just connect with that is a friendly face. So I really connect with my families Um, I meet with them um, usually starting at my Explore Fostering events, and I host those, um, and I have, uh, we um, use social media and things like that and word of mouth to recruit people into the meeting, and when they come in, we usually have about five to six people at a time. I love that it's smaller, Mm -hmm. Um, and I have fellow um, case managers, licensing workers, foster parents come in, and we just hang out. It's kind of just like a social event. They ask questions, and we just kind of give them the rope, and they're ready to move forward. So then at that meeting, they kind of get that relaxed feel, and um, I say, you know, put me in your phone, text me anytime, and it's just like a, a friendship that you're building, and they have that comfort that, oh my gosh, I'm feeling super overwhelmed. I'm just going to call or text Rebecca. And I tell them, listen, if you call me from your closet and you're eating chocolate, (laughs) it's fine. It's totally fine. We've all been there. You can cry in your closet. And (laughs) and, um, I think just saying things like that to make them realize that, you know, we've all been through rough times and we understand and um, just that comforting feeling. And I know that that means a lot to me to have people in my corner that like that. So I feel that that means a lot to them. So they'll reach out and they'll say, I'm feeling like, I don't know if I want to ask my 
licensing work for this because I don't know if it's a stupid question, so I'm going to run it by you first. And then that is also just kind of that that middleman, that comfort person that you can turn to to see if you need to move forward with something or whatever. And I don't give them, like, legal advice or anything like that, but just, like, a friendly ear. I let them vent and things like that. And if they need things moving forward, then I help them find their resources or um, connect with people that can help them move forward with the questions that I maybe can't answer or shouldn't answer. (laughs) Now, Rebecca, before we went on, uh, you mentioned that you're in a particular part of your house. Where where are you right now? (laughs) Um, I'm in my mobile office. Which is my car in my garage. In the car. In the the only quiet place in my house. Okay, because, you know, you talked about you're, you're getting a call from somebody in their closet, and you're, you're out in your garage, and, and it's, it, it makes me smile because I've been that person before because any of us who've you know, raised children, have children in our home, we understand that. And I think what's, what's interesting about that is, is that you can understand when somebody says, I'm in the bathroom because it's the only quiet place I have, and you can say, okay, yeah, but I'm, I'm outside in my in my 2014, you know, Nissan Frontier, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with the similar things. And I think that that, that allows for you to have walked the tracks, you know, you've walked the tracks that they're walking. And I think that's hugely powerful, Rebecca. So thank you for being there for those people like that. Yeah. And I think it's my pleasure. It really is. I like my, my like mission in life and what helps me thrive is just helping others. And like, being able to support others through things. And I led a pretty traumatic traumatic childhood, so it just makes me feel mentally strong and to be able to help others. And I love that I have that mental strength and I feel like I should share that with others. So not that I'm boasting myself at all, but I'm thankful, beyond thankful for that. So I just, just love connecting with people as yeah. well. Yeah, Rebecca, I am... I have goosebumps right now because you're exactly <laughs> you're exactly the person we need on this podcast, um, and you are truly just thank you for everything you've done. I mean, I could tell you thank, thank you throughout you. this Don't whole podcast. Um, before we jump off here, I want to give Lauren the opportunity to kind of explain the ambassador program. Um, so that listeners out there kind of have a good understanding of what that is, and you're a big part of that. So, um, Lauren, it's all yours. Yeah, so Rebecca, I think you did a fantastic job talking about the different um, projects and services that the Ambassador Program offers, but really it is, you are living the mission. Mm -hmm. The mission of the Ambassador Program is a peer-to-peer support program. It's where foster families can come together to be there in their moment of need, to provide mentorship, to share resources and support and information um, to help them in difficult times, but also just to help make sure that that it's really to make sure that there is Um, information shared at that community level. I think when you said friends and fostering, I almost thought, boy, do we need to make a name change? Um, Because that that really... I I love that so much. Yes, it embodies the whole spirit behind the program. What I also love about the program is the recruitment aspect. So I was thrilled to hear the ambassadors come together and uh, talk about this need for the resource packet 
and pull together and get something started because I think over the last couple of years, we've seen a trend um, that it's been really difficult for families uh, financially um, with employment changes. And so we're getting a lot of questions from interested individuals about fostering and whether or not financially they can make that commitment and how do they support children uh, coming into their home in very real situations like you talked about in the middle of the night or on an emergency basis and, and how do you have the physical resources that you need to be able to pull that off. Yeah, it's 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 really important, and I think a lot of a lot of foster parents when they first started, like I know I did, we didn't have a lot of those kind of resources or those kind of um, people to help us find those resources. So when I started, I I had the mindset of, well, if I can't afford the kiddos in my home, I shouldn't have them, so I shouldn't utilize all those things, and I was very naive to that and and not understanding. But then I realized. The more hands that we can have and the more hearts that we can have around our kids and the more resources we can give them um, to grow, and then the, the better it is. So, you know, you just have to grow your village and find everything you can to support them. So, you know, use the daycare and so they can be socialized and they can be doing those things while you're at work and utilize the gas mileage. So maybe if you save a little bit of money, you guys can do like the zoo and um, other outings and go out to eat and, and do fun things together. Like if you can save a little bit of money on the things that you have to work for, then you can do more fun things as a family as well. So just remember that like you can support your kids better when you utilize all of your resources. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad you said that, Rebecca, and because um, there's people out there who are going to be listening to this, and they're going to think exactly what you just said. Um, you know, maybe I don't have the finances to be able to support, you know, some foster kids, and what you just said, I think, kind of negates that, and there's resources out there. As we talked about the ambassador program, we could do a whole episode just on that. In fact, I, my wheels are turning on that. So Lauren and Rebecca, we may have to uh, figure that out. Um, um, but before we wrap up, uh, I wanted to give Daryl um, any last questions, comments. I just want to say thank you, Rebecca. I mean, you, you're doing it. You're doing it exactly the right way. I mean, the way you're, the way you're seeing your role as being there to help everyone. Uh, I used to tell people all the time, I still do, uh, that when, when you do foster care, you're not just taking care of a child, you're a lifeboat for that family. And you're doing it that way. And uh, I just I just gotta thank you so much for the for what you do and the way you do it. I uh, just appreciate well, you very much. thank you guys much. for all of your support to foster parents because I think that's important. Like this podcast I think is amazing. and just having our current foster parents listen and maybe get more ideas and then prospective foster parents um, that might just be a little nervous to go forward, mm -hmm. like hearing things that might just kind of ease them into it or that they can be, they can relate to that might help them realize, okay, maybe I, I am enough. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because you are, you're enough. <laughs> That's right. You are enough. And Rebecca, thank you for being that lifeboat and continuing to be that lifeboat. Um, I know we've taken some time, um, but I know it's greatly appreciated. You've been a pleasure to talk to, and I foresee future podcast recordings with you because you're, you've been that, it's been such a pleasure. 
So thank you, oh and we're pleasure. gonna and we're gonna let you go. Um, but we'll be in contact. Thank you so much. Bye, thank guys. you, Rebecca. That was an amazing. That was an amazing interview with Rebecca. Um, she was just a breath of fresh air. I think she is a staple um, in our foster parent community. Um, she touched on so many things during that. My head is just spinning. Um, uh, what did you guys think? Um, we could start anywhere. I mean, she really hit so many key components, and um, she was just amazing. I think the big thing for me was connection. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, connection. Rebecca, Rebecca talked quite a bit about not just connecting with youth, but connecting with families, being able to connect and talk through challenges with team members. Mm -hmm. um, I just really think, for me, that was something that stood out as yeah. being imperative and, and a skill that she has mastered. Yeah. I um, loved her story. Like, yeah. she was vulnerable enough to talk about how she was impacted and was a foster child. And now look at her. She's a foster parent doing the great work. And she, I, I love those kind of stories. Um, and, and you're right, connection, connection with the community. I know some of our, our previous uh, interviews with some foster families, they really talk about connection with their community and relying on the community for support. And she also hits on that. Daryl, what do you think? The thing that really stood out for me was that she really seems to have the right heart for this. Mm -hmm. I mean, she comes at it as a person who cares about everybody and really tries to help. There's not a hint of, of any judgmentalism, uh, any looking down at anybody, any self-interest. She is about everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a powerful thing when somebody says, you know, I went to court to listen, and mm -hmm. I'm listening, and I'm hearing the stories of, of the parents. I'm listening to what the children are saying, what they yeah. are wanting, and I'm, I'm sensitive to what they need, and I'm doing all that so I can be better equipped to help all those people. Yeah. That's the right heart to yeah. come at this. Absolutely. Really Daryl, I loved your question about um, the how she handles like the court system, the system in general, because a lot of our foster families, they struggle through that. I mean, think about, you know, we, we place a kiddo in their home and they're thrusted with all these people, the courts, our agency, guardian items, attorneys, they're just... So I thought her advice on that was absolutely right on. It was is really good advice for others because it can be overwhelming. Um, so I thought that was an excellent question, and I'm glad we she took us down that path because I think that's a real struggle for our current foster families and will continue to be a struggle for future foster families. So hopefully those who are listening can, maybe it's not so bad, I just need to call Rebecca and get some advice from her on, on how to navigate this crazy system. She had an excellent host. This was great fun. I get to do the We Are CD podcast, but being here is just really a, really a cool thing. I, I, feel like, uh, I, I, I feel like I'm visiting a celebrity because you're on, you're on Spotify and other places. So, <laughs> Thanks, Daryl. So, no, it, it was a, this, was a great, this was a great conversation, and I think yeah. having these great conversations is great for everybody. So thank you. Thank you, Shasta, for thinking through it and preparing it and for welcoming us to be part of this conversation. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, and and uh, I am the, the host, but my other host is Jessica Huckstep, who um, couldn't necessarily join us today, um, but she is on us for future podcasts. And um, thank you, Daryl and Lauren, for being my special co-host guests. Um, Rebecca was just a, a pleasure, a pleasure to talk to. And every time I talk to a family, and I know Jessica agrees with me, 
we get re-energized and want to get out there and start spreading the word. So for any of our foster parents who are really interested in becoming a foster parent ambassador, we would encourage you to reach out to Melissa Seltzer and you can email her directly at melissa.j.seltzer, that's S-E-L-S-O-R, at dss.mo.gov. Thank you, Lauren. Um, and those of you who are interested in fostering, you can <clears throat> simply contact any local children's division office. You can also Google DSS, and there's, that there's connections on there to where you can uh, make those local contacts and, and, join, the, and join the brigade. Um, I just want to thank you all for listening and join us today. Please join us next month um, on our next monthly podcast. Adios. At the Department of Social Services, we are dedicated to inspiring more Missourians to help us provide quality, loving homes to the children in our care. Help us reach our future foster parents by leaving a review, subscribing, and sharing this podcast on your social media platforms. Thank you.